Good morning. As you can see from uh, the display up here, Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 is what we're going to take a look at this morning. Colby read that for us uh, a few moments ago. Um, edification is what we're going to talk about this morning. You know, as I was researching, oh, wait a minute, before I get right to that uh, title of the lesson, Edifying Itself in Love, Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 uh, the church, as we'll take a look at in Ephesians 4, there is to edify itself in love. Edification, though, is more than encouragement. I'll explain why I say that in just a moment. Uh, what is edification? What is the benefit of edification? And how are we to edify one another? So first of all, what is edification? Uh, even this week, uh, in preparing for this lesson, just talking to various ones, I would just ask the question, what, what comes to mind whenever I say edification? And one of the things that often came to mind was like encouragement. And then it would be followed up by to build up. But edification is more than just encouragement. And we'll take a look at how we build up one another. But the word edify or edification is, is not a word that we use like outside of these walls very often. It's not like I'm talking to my friend and I say, well, I was talking to my friend the other day. I was trying to edify him. <laughs> and people were like, what? <laughs> and so we don't use that much. And so even this week as I started to work on this, and we have that advantage now uh, of being able to go online, right? So I decided uh, I'll look online, see what other folks are saying about this. And you don't see a whole lot of information just about edification. And even when you take a look at edification, sometimes they then tie it directly to uh, that idea of encouragement. And so I came across this one article in which this guy wrote about edification, and he directly tied it to encouragement. And then he used an illustration and I'm going to give you this illustration just as we get into this this morning uh, because I thought this was a little bit humorous in the way in which he used this. He said that while he was in high school, he played football. And during that four years, he had two different coaches. And he said they had very different styles in the way in which they would encourage you. Now, remember, he's talking about edification, so he's saying <laughs> the way in which they would edify us. <laughs> type of thing. And so, first of all, he said, we had this one coach, and he said, on one occasion, we were we were behind at halftime, and when we came into the locker room, he admitted we'd not been playing all that well, and he said, you could tell the coach was upset. And he said, it got real quiet in there, and the coach was pacing back and forth, and then pretty soon, he turned to the group, and he said, do any of you have little sisters? And there was a couple of guys shook their head, yes. And he said, well, call them, because I think they'll play better than you guys do. <laughs> and he said he wasn't done. <laughs> he said he followed that up with, he said, next week I'm bringing a package of diapers for you bunch of babies. <laughs> he said that was his halftime motivational speech. He said, but then I had this other coach. And he said, oh, once again, struggling in a game, and he said, the coach looked at us and he said, do you know what I see when I look at all of you? He said, I don't see high school boys. He, see, he said, I see a group of young men. And he said, I know you guys. You guys have hearts like lions. 
And he said, you want to know what you call a pack of lions? You call them a pride. And he said, they are majestic and they are courageous and they are powerful. And he said, they hunt together and they take down their prey together. He said, they are king of their land. He said, that's what you are. Now that's kind of encouraging, isn't it? (laughs) But I ask you this question. Even though that may be encouraging, is it edifying? Well, maybe. Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verses 15 and 16. Paul writes, But speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head, even Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. You know, we've been using Harkwriter's workbooks for some time, and so I just glanced in his workbook to see what he had to say about Ephesians 4, chapter and verse 16. I like what he had to say. And I'll just kind of paraphrase this. He said in Ephesians 4 verse 16, From Christ the head, all the body is knit together. Or in other words, he makes it to fit together. Through the proper functioning of each member. So in essence, as we take a look at what he says in Ephesians 4, And as we think about what we've studied recently in 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter and and the 13th chapter. Paul's saying in Ephesians 4 that each joint supplies something. And that is for the edifying, for the building up of the body. And yet we know within the first century, because we've been looking at 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, that there were certain gifts that individual members had, but they were to exercise those gifts in a service to the other members so that they might be built up. Right? But there were some of those gifts, speaking in tongues and so forth, that were going to vanish away. But yet Paul says the body is to edify itself in love. What each joint, as Harkwriter says, or suggests, each one supplies. You know what that means? In order for the body to be edified, that means that we need each other. That's what he's saying. So edification is not just encouragement. But it's also recognizing that we need each other if we're going to be built up to become what God wants us to become and do what God wants us to do. So if growth is to be furthered, each Christian has to do their part. That's what I said. Each one has to do their part. God-given ability fulfill their role in the building up of the body. So you know what that tells us? That tells us that edification is other-focused. Can we see that? That if we're thinking about edifying, it's where our focus 
is on somebody else and whether or not they are being built up. So it's more than encouragement. It's the ability, gift, talent that you have being used for the profit of somebody else, for the body in particular. That's why I mentioned this morning in class, even 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, there's different gifts, there's different ministries for the profit of all. And that's what Paul's saying. There's a talent, there's an ability that each and everybody has. There's nobody that can say, I don't have anything. Everybody has something. And you use that. There's a service that is provided. There's an effect that it has on others. And you see that? That's what Paul's talking about. Edification. It's other focused. The Greek word carries with it that idea of building a house. You ever built a house? <laughs> Worked on a house? Have you ever noticed that within that house, there's a whole lot of different materials that go into that, right? There's windows, and there's doors, and there's roofs, and there's shingles, and there's wiring, and there's plumbing, and there's carpet, and there's sheetrock, and there's all these things. But it all fits together to then make that building. Kenny made reference to that this morning in class. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5. As lively stones you're being built up. There's that word. Together. Vines defines it this way. It is the promotion of spiritual growth and development of character by teaching, example, exhortation, correction, encouragement, bringing progress as the result of patient labor. Did you get all that? Edification. It's all of that. It's that teaching. It's an example. It's encouragement. It's exhortation. It's correction. That's edification. Because it has a goal in mind. In the New Testament, it is generally applied in the sense of the corporate body. Each one doing their share to build up, to build up the body. When we exhort one another, I want to read to you again from 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter. We noticed this this morning in class, but I want to read it again. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 3. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. The reason why I bring that up once again is because the word that Paul uses there in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 3 when he says exhortation It comes from a Greek word that means to call alongside. But you call alongside, Vine defines it, to pursue a course of conduct looking to the future. You got that? You are exhorting 
you call someone alongside talking about a course of conduct looking to the future. This is what you should do. This is what you should become in the future. Have you ever, maybe you've done this yourself, maybe it was done to you when you were a little kid, or you've seen like a little kid called alongside a loving parent or older person talking to them and saying things like, I know you'll do better in the future. That's exhortation. Call alongside, encourage, but you've got a future conduct in mind. Philippians, the fourth chapter in verse 2. Paul writes, I implore Eudoia and I implore Synetiki to be of the same mind in the Lord. You see what he's saying? Here's two women. They're presently having some kind of differences. And he says, New King James, I implore. Other translations say, I exhort. It's that same word. Calling alongside, future conduct in mind, this is what I want. That's what Paul's saying in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3. Edification, he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort. See what Paul's saying? There's something that he has in mind that he wants them to move towards. Edification is God in mind progress. Have you ever seen anybody that's become kind of stagnant in their faith? And does that ever happen? And so within the body, you see someone like it and you try to edify them to build them up. Encourage them, exhort them so that they make progress in their faith and in their growth towards coming more Christ-like. So now then, what's the benefit of edification? Passage that I oftentimes quote, taken from Romans 8, chapter and verse 29, for those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to become conformed to the image of His Son. God desires for us to become like Jesus Christ. Edification is moving in that direction, to be like Jesus Christ. Take a look at Ephesians 4 and verse 13. Paul says, Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Paul's saying, we become like Him. That's what he says in Romans. That's what he said in Ephesians. And edification is to promote that. So I know I'm giving you several definitions today. I'm going to give you another one. (laughs) Definition of spiritual maturity. So listen if you would. Spiritual maturity is the maximum application of the principles of Scripture 
to experience by faith the stature of the fullness of Christ. Did you get that? Spiritual maturity is the maximum application of the principles of Scripture. What that's saying in essence is this. Maximum application of what is taught in God's Word to my life so that I become like Jesus Christ. So I experience life just the way He experienced it. I find joy where He found joy. I face trials and temptation the way Christ faced them. I face sorrow and disappointment the way Christ faced them. I support, I teach, I exhort, I comfort, I help others grow the way Christ did that. Maximum application of the principles that are taught within God's Word. John 8 and verse 29, Jesus said, I always do those things which please the Father. That's the goal towards which we strive. Not that we ever fully attain it, but that's the goal. That's the standard that He's given. So a benefit is knowing that, first of all. Secondly, edification, building up, leads to spiritual power. You recall in Matthew, the fourth chapter, when Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan? Lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, pride of life. And in each and every one of those temptations, in each and every one of those challenges, how was it that Jesus answered Satan? It is written. Each and every time. Maximum application of the principles that are taught in God's Word. Can we see that? And each and every time, Jesus said, it is written. This is how God's Word applies to this situation. So edification, it's not just encouragement. It's also education. It's that teaching. It's that exhorting. It's moving in a direction. That's a benefit. Edification leads to stability. Ephesians the fourth chapter verse eleven and twelve. And he himself gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. Verse fourteen that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Benefit of education or edification? Stability. If you know God's Word, if you know that truth, then you're not tossed to and fro like children not knowing. That's what I say. 
edification, to build up, to encourage, to exhort, to educate, to train, to correct, all of that, that's edification. What that also does, the benefit, it teaches us where we find the truth and it teaches us to consult the truth in the actions that we take in life. That's important. What should I do in this situation? Well, what's God's word say about that? So, Have you read any articles about AI? <laughs> Artificial intelligence. So I was reading some articles about that this week, and this one writer was saying some of the dangers of artificial intelligence. And one of the dangers that he was mentioning is, he said there are those that are now promoting it, and people are jumping on board. And there are people that are already, as Paul says, plotting, <laughs> scheming. How can I use this to my best interest or our best interest? And he said, there is a group that is working on and desiring of having a central source for answers to all your questions. Isn't that interesting? When I was still at high school, everybody has a phone, right? So every time you ask a kid a question, what do they do? They pull out that phone. <laughs> During tests, take those phones away. Because <laughs> if you don't, you know what they do? <laughs> They're going to look up the answers. And it doesn't matter what you ask them. They're going to look it up. When was the War of 1812? They'll Google it. <laughs> Can you see any danger in that? And that's what this fellow was saying. We want a central source for the answers to all of society's issues. Do you want to know about sexuality? Then you go here for that answer. Do you want to know about gender identity? You go here for that answer. Do you want to know about religion? Do you want to know about Christianity? Do you want to know about any other religion? You go here for that answer. And if you don't go here, you're going to feel the fire. You're going to feel the heat. Now I want to ask you something. Has anything like that ever happened before? Do you remember the book of Daniel? Do you remember Daniel, the third chapter? What did Nebuchadnezzar decide to do? He decided to build a golden image. And you know what the, what the 
uh, a command was in regards to that golden image, what the order was. At the sound of the trumpet, at the sound of the lyre, everyone, everyone bowed down to that idol. Do you remember who didn't? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. O king, let it be known. Our God can deliver us. But even if he chooses not to, we will not bow before your idol. You don't bow, you're going to feel the heat. Do you see what this guy's saying? Do you see how important it is to know where you can find the truth and to not bow to men's cunningness and craftiness and plotting and wickedness? Edification. That's why it's so important. One of the reasons, to put in a plug, right? It's one of the reasons why we study the Old Testament on Wednesday evening and we study the New Testament on Sunday morning. Because Jesus said the sum of the word is truth. It's all of it. And where did I just quote from? Daniel. There's nothing new as the writer says. There's nothing new under the sun. It just comes in a little different fashion, doesn't it? You just, Satan reworks it, repackages it, and says, hey, here it is. <laughs> Same old thing. Get you to bow down, not to God, but to man. Edification. It's a benefit. I want to read to you from Philippians chapter 3. Beginning at verse 8. A little bit of a lengthy reading, but I think it's justified. Philippians chapter 3, beginning at verse 8. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count, <clears throat> and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward <coughs> to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. What's Paul saying? 
God laid hold of him <coughs> so that he might become like Jesus Christ. Was he already there? Nope. He's pressing toward that goal. And he said, to whatever degree we've already attained, let us maintain that. God gives the standard for which we should strive. <coughs> Excuse me. In Ephesians 4 and verse 13, it's the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's the objective standard. And in Philippians 3 and verse 8, he said, I count all things for loss that I may attain that. That's edification. It's growth into the fullness of Christ. It's Jesus Christ that is the objective standard. And Paul says, I give up everything else so I can have that. Can we see that? So we can know the truth. We can know the objective standard, Jesus Christ. And we can know the motivation. <laughs> I give up everything so that I can gain Him, His approval. And then I might share in His sufferings. Can we see that? That even if the government says you bow at our idol, do you want to know who's a threat right now? Christians are a threat. They're a threat. That's edification. It's more than encouragement. It's a lot more. So how are we to edify? I'll read to you from Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians in chapter 5 starting about verse 15 it says and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and rose again therefore from now on we regard no one according to the flesh even though we have known Christ according to the flesh yet now we know him thus no longer therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You're a new person in Jesus Christ. The old things have passed away. Paul said, I count all that as rubbish so that I might gain Jesus Christ. He died for us so that we might live for him. Let me ask you something, a thought that uh, kind of ran through my mind this week. You may have never had this thought, maybe you have. <laughs> so after Jesus was resurrected, we know what he did, right? But have you ever thought 
about what you might have had him do if you were in control. Or if it was you. What would you do after the resurrection? If it was me, I'm saying just me. And they killed me, but they can't keep me dead. You know what I'd do? I'm back. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. <laughs> I'd be back to torment them. But that's not what Jesus did, did he? What Jesus did is said he was going to ascend to the Father. And before he was going to ascend, he told him he was going to send his spirit. You want to know why he did that? Let me read to you from the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, verse 26. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to His saints. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know what that's saying? You know why Jesus didn't stay? Because He was going to go and He was going to send His Spirit that His Spirit might live in each and every one of us. Can you see that? We can read in the Gospels that there was times that there were so many people gathered around Him that they couldn't even get to or hear Jesus. But with Him sending His Spirit to live in those who would be His disciples, that goes everywhere. Can we see that? That goes everywhere. We become the extension of His ministry. His working by the Spirit through us. Now back to the book of Ephesians. Chapter 4, verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. God gave these. Verse 12. For the equipping of the saints... For the work of ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. He gave those. For the equipping of the saints. For the work of ministry. So that we can do that work. His work. Set apart. To serve God. That mystery was made known. So that we might know God's plan 
and we might know our place within that plan. Ephesians 4 and verse 11, God gave. Verse 12, for the equipping. Verse 13, so that we might come to the stature of the fullness of Christ. Threefold aspect of God's plan. Can you see it? It's a gift. It's a service. It's an effect that is brought to bear on Christ's body. We come to the unity of the faith, to the mature man, to the fullness of Christ. Ephesians 4 and verse 16. From whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share and causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Isn't that amazing? That God gives and then the body becomes self-sufficient. With the gifts, the talents that we have, providing the service that He intends, the church can build itself up in love perpetually. Edification. It's like the building of a house. And edification includes the maintaining of that house. People are taught. People are brought in. They are edified. They help others to become stable in the faith. Exhorted to grow and become Christ-like. Some will need correcting. Some will need encouraging. But everyone is to recognize they have a talent. They have a gift. And it is to be used for the benefit of the whole. We are not just different people meeting together in a building. We are parts of Christ's body knit together. That's edification. And that's all I have to say about that. I want to extend the invitation this morning to any and all that are here who never rendered service or never rendered obedience under the Jesus Christ, we encourage you to do that today. And if you're a child of God and we need to help you make your relationship right with the Lord, you let us know while together we stand and while we sing.